Oramai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. We're creating a rumpus on the programme this morning. Well, that's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but they are the words of my guest today, who believes that the church needs to create a culture change if it is to truly achieve what it's there for. Intrigued? I think you will be when you listen to Reverend Tina Hodgett, who incidentally has an impressive Manx family history. But let's start with some music, with words taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, a hymn that encourages us to put God's concerns ahead of our own, seeking his agenda with all our heart. And that would seem to be a good introduction to my special guest this morning. Reverend Tina Hodgett is an Anglican priest who visited the island recently to talk with local clergy about pioneer ministry. A particular kind of outreach in which Tina has had a lot of practical experience, leading to the role that she has now. And this is how she describes it. I support pioneering across a number of dioceses and denominations, including Methodist and United Reform, across the south of England. Uh, I teach and train in all sorts of ways as well. I get invited out as a speaker in places, but generally just supporting this kind of mission wherever I can. As you can imagine, that's a job that could only be done by someone who has actually worked as a pioneer minister, faced all its challenges and gained a wealth of experience. And that's exactly what Reverend Tina Hodgett has done, as we're about to find out. But first, let's explore those Manx connections. 
Well, it's lovely to be here. My mum is Manx. Her mum was a cowl and her dad was a quirk. In fact, her dad is William T. Quirk, uh, who was the headmaster at Victoria Road School for a number of years in the 60s and 70s. And he occasionally used to write me a letter from his head teacher's office when I was a child. And um, he's quite well known for all sorts of things. He was a poet, an artist, a musician. He wrote operettas that the children in Foxdale School used to perform together with my when my mum was a child there and people still remember that and he's got a website I'm just going to do a little advert wtquirk.com where all his poetry can be found and many of your listeners will have seen his poetry on Facebook because we try and put his work out there so very Manx I've been absolutely delighting in driving around the island on my visit home this time with the stunning views from all parts of the island and just feeling very blessed to have a connection with it And I think it is true to say that W.T. Quirk can be found in the Manx Worthies book. That's right. Now, I have a feeling that we could talk about your island life, island (laughs) memories and your family, that we could talk for a whole half an hour about that. And maybe one day we will. Mm. But today, the thing that I'd particularly like to talk about, if I may, is your ministry within the Church of England. Mm. Because you're involved in pioneer ministry, something we've talked about on this programme before. We have a pioneer minister here based in Douglas, Reverend Alex Brown. But I think it's important for us to see where this fits into the bigger church picture. First of all, Tina, you don't really live anywhere near the Isle of Man, do you now? (laughs) No, I don't. I actually live on the border of the Diocese of Bath and Wells and the Diocese of Salisbury, which to any normal person means between Somerset and Dorset. And my last role was with the Diocese of Bath and Wells and I was the leader of something called the Pioneer Project and I had the great privilege of having a budget from the national church and also the local diocese to create culture change. That was the the aim of the money across the diocese towards a more outward moving uh, culture of creativity and imagination and innovation um, to get people thinking about actually climbing into God's imagination and allowing that to lead them into new ways and new places. And I appointed nine full-time paid pioneer ministers, but also encouraged ordinary church members on the ground to follow their own instincts and the leading of the Holy Spirit to be amongst the people that they would normally mix with and think of the ways in which they could share Jesus in a very normal and natural relational way. Would I be right in saying that you don't have to be ordained to be a pioneer minister? No, I'm really passionate and convinced that most pioneering is done by ordinary people. There is some research that's been done that most pioneers are not ordained. They're mainly women and they're not paid. So it's ordinary folk who've noticed that there's a gap between the lives of the people they live amongst and the culture of those people, you know, what, they, what they're what they interested in, how they talk, their rhythms of their life, and the church, which has a whole sort of culture of its own. And so where people see a gap between the folk that they're living amongst, who won't know any religious language, won't understand how the church works, they're just doing their normal daily lives, the gap between that life and the life of the church when it gathers is just too big for people to cross. So it's just ordinary people who have a relationship with God 
being in their community and finding ways of gathering people and that's a place of sharing faith. I mean, God loves people. God wants to be with people where the people are and they're outside the church, you know. Jesus isn't locked up in the box of the church. There are so very few people nowadays worshipping in church. God is already reaching out to people all the time and so we're kind of, I think, pioneers or or. Christians generally can be connectors. So we're people who kind of work to connect God who's already out there and and people and act as a sort of conduit for faith to happen. If you're in a position of leadership, you were appointed, you were given a budget, you recruited people. Also, you have to draw to you the right people for, for this ministry. And you've also got to work out what it is that needs to be done. Mm. So there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. It was a lot of responsibility. It was also a lot of fun. And I didn't particularly want the job but when I sat down and prayed about it God gave me this picture of a book I used to read with my godson called Where the Wild Things Are and there's a line in that book that says let the wild rumpus begin and I had the sense that I was called to Bath and Wells to just shake up things so it couldn't be business as normal in the church we wanted people who thought differently and acted differently often the church is quite a strong force for conformity so I recruited people who knew that they were called to this kind of work and that was a great joy and watching them create a rumpus and then we also started a training course called the Certificate in Pioneer Mission for ordinary people who were already doing things like running toddler churches or messy churches people who were wild swimming and growing relationships with groups and having really deep conversations while they were wild swimming so gathering those kinds of people together and and training them more in the skills of pioneer ministry. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. I sent my word and healed your disease. I am the Lord, your healer. My special guest this morning is Reverend Tina Hodgett, an Anglican priest who is passionate about the power of pioneer ministry to change lives. She came to the island recently at the invitation of the Archdeacon, the Venerable Irene Cowell, to meet and talk with local clergy about pioneer ministry. But I wondered how receptive they would be, given the demands of parish life, each of them already having the care of a number of churches and all the administration that flows from them. With the best will in the world, do they really have time and energy for something else? I think that's a very true picture and I have a lot of sympathy for parish priests. I mean, the system as it's set up is no longer really fit for purpose. It, it was all invented for a whole different 
era, different culture, when everybody believed in God, whether they did or they didn't, they went to church. And we've inherited that and it needs to be maintained somehow and it's really difficult and and the burden on parish clergy is heavy. But I have seen and know of parish churches where they have managed to shift the energy outwards without any great injection of cash or additional personnel and I think it's sometimes just a a question of posture and persistence. So I've started leading a course called Pioneering Parishes with a colleague of mine who did exactly what I've just described. He moved the energy of his three parish churches, quite small ones, outwards into the community to be pioneering with just a few principles. And and one of them was that a church needed to be led by its values. I think at the moment we've got quite an individualised society and people come to church with that sort of consumer mode that they have in most other areas of their lives and they've kind of paid their money they're there and yes they want to hear from God but they also kind of want to worship in the mode that they choose to and they want the church to operate in a way that they think is right and what my friend did was spend quite a lot of time working out a set of six values for his congregation in conjunction with the community so he went out he invited the community to say what kind of church would you like St Mary's to be and over time they came up with six values one of which was to be intentionally engaged with the community another one was to be deliberately innovative they didn't just work out these six values they also sat down and they worked out what the church would look like if they were keeping the values and what the church would look like if they weren't So that's a really deep anchor to anchor you in. And it's a bit like being the captain of a ship and setting the course. And so every decision that was made was made in line with these values. It took 18 months, but over 18 months, my friend said that they stopped making their decisions based on preference, what they felt like, what they wanted, what a strong member of the congregation wanted. And they made all their decisions on principle. And if you, these six values, and if you can move your decision making from preference to principle, you can actually make quite a big difference. And I think the other major part of it, you have to stop doing the things that are not beneficial in terms of affecting people in the community. The church actually can absorb all the energy that you have as a parish priest. The the existing congregation, the buildings, the admin, it can absorb all of it unless you make very deliberate decisions to stop doing the things which aren't serving the community as well as the church. And that means you have to make some difficult decisions that will be very unpopular and that can feel very wrong. But you have to be a moulder of the future. You have to shape it through the way you preach, through how you talk all the time about the community, how you, you're focused always on them being enabled to encounter the love of God. You do have this quote from Hebrews where you say that Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter. So you're starting there from a, a spiritual standpoint and saying this that I am asking you to do is what Jesus did in his time, in mm. his life, in his earthly ministry. Yeah. And do you think that is an essential point to start? 
Yes, I think it is because none of what I'm proposing flows out of sort of management speak. It comes out of the nature of the God we worship. You know, over the last three or four hundred years, we've got used to focusing on the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. You know, there's been that consistency, which is beautiful in God, you know, that he's faithful and dependable and reliable. But He's also the one who created the heavens and the earth. And that was a massive beginning, wasn't it? So pioneers are people who start things. Well, God started the universe. How amazing is that? And and how much creativity there was in there. And then when God came in the person of Jesus, Jesus, he's the first person who's to be born of a virgin, the first person at the age of 12 to be debating with rabbis of great wisdom. And he reinvented and reimagined the law. Jewish people inherited the Torah, the law, and Jesus comes with a different imagination because he knows the Father. He's the first person to say, look, this this God that you're terrified of and you give sacrifices to and can't be named, just call him Daddy. You know, that's quite a revolutionary thing and invites us into an intimate relationship with the ruler of the heavens and the earth. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he takes the law deeper. So it's not about the rules and regulations, but it's about the condition of the heart. So all the time he's reinventing the tradition. And I see that as all part of the pioneer gift. And pioneering is also about improvisation and spontaneity. It's about gathering people around you. And he does those things too. He's very creative in, in producing the parables. These are the sorts of things that pioneers are, are better at, perhaps, than others. They have this ability to be resourceful with what's in front of them rather than need to plan and prepare because you have to follow the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit. You're on a journey. When you begin pioneering, you don't know where your pioneering will end. You just live a moment at a time, a day at a time, see what God sends you, pray about how to work with that. It's a bit like weaving, you know, it's not like here's our mission action plan and in five years time we want to have done this, this, this and this. It's more like, well, what's God bringing me today? Who's God showing me today? And how over, you know, a number of years that can end up somewhere, but perhaps not where you thought it would at the beginning. I was brought up in the church and I remember the years it suddenly started to dawn on me that Jesus is just always outside. <laughs> He's never in the church. You know, I was part of that group of people who for decades said, you know, come to church. It's great. You know, you can meet Jesus. And then I suddenly thought, well, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus went to where people were, to the woman at the well, asked her for a drink. And that's another thing about him. He asks the ordinary people to give gifts to him. He's not always the one who's doing things for other people. People. he's making himself vulnerable he's being the one in need and then they can serve him and that's a very beautiful thing if you think that he's actually God you know there's a humility there and a vulnerability and so the biggest thing for all of us as Christians pioneers or not is just to be in real relationships in real open relationships where we share what's going on in our lives and they share what's going on in theirs and over time there's a place of trust where if people want to ask you about your faith they feel really safe to do it but it's going to happen while you're doing the washing up together or you're digging the garden or something when I was a vicar in Portishead we did a few things one of the things was cocktails we went to the local flower show which is a bit like the agricultural show here and the church 
prior to my arrival had had a stall where they had lots of Christian literature for people to read. But the people who'd managed that stall before said that nobody had really engaged with it. So I'm intrigued by cocktails. I think they're so creative and colourful and they sort of give off this vibe, particularly it may be in younger people, but of excitement and celebration. And for me, all of that speaks of God. Their names are things like Long Island iced tea or a screwdriver. And I thought, well, what if we called cocktails things like forgiveness or life in all its fullness or peace that passes understanding? And we worked out what the flavour of those things would be if you drank them. And uh, we gave away these cocktails. And first of all, we gathered the members of the congregation, very traditional, quite elderly congregation, to come and create cocktails that tasted like peace or joy or forgiveness and then we gave them away at the flower show and it was just great and we had a 92 year old chopping lemons for two hours on a Sunday morning to put in the cocktails and they were just inspired by the idea and it was transformative because they were a kind of congregation who'd sort of run the Rotary Club or just volunteered in all sorts of civic organisations in the town but they wouldn't have thought of coming into the public space and saying I'm a believer in God but they could give away the cocktails. So that was one thing we did. Another thing we did on Good Friday, because I've questioned for some years about what the missional point of processing the cross through a high street might be on Good Friday when nobody's there. So I said, well, I think everybody will be in home base on Good Friday because that's what people do, you know, and God will probably be in home base as well because that's where people are. So we agreed to do a Good Friday car wash. We got the home base staff to say we could wash people's cars. So they'd come into the home base to go DIY shopping. They'd leave their cars with us. Again, it wasn't particularly the elderly members of the congregation who did this. And you, you can do it ecumenically and you can do it with other partners, with other churches. It's not something that, you know, one small church could do for itself. But you can get the able body to do some things. And we had some elderly folk who did all the admin. You know, they wrote down the numbers of the cars and made sure that they were all washed in the right order. The bishop came out and helped us wash the cars, actually. That was great. And the reason we were washing cars was because on Monday, Thursday, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples to show his servanthood. And the feet of the disciples are their main form of transport. And so on Good Friday, we washed the main form of transport of the people who came to home base. I prepared the team beforehand and said, you know, people are going to ask, why are you doing this? I didn't give them an answer. I said, you need to work it out for yourself. People will ask, what will you say? Because it needs to be an honest answer. It can't be what you think the vicar wants you to say. You know, if you're doing it because actually you're lonely and it's better than sitting at home watching the telly on a good Friday morning, say that. If you're here because you want to express the love of Jesus, then say that. But whatever it is, it needs to be an authentic response. When we'd finished washing their cars, we just put a little laminated ticket on their windscreen saying Jesus said I am among you as one who serves so that on this good Friday they would sense that Jesus had been among them and they would go away from that good Friday having known learned something about Jesus that maybe they didn't know before that he wanted to serve them. The Lord is present here 
The Lord is present here. Come worship. The Lord is present here. The Lord is present here. The Lord is present here. Come worship. Brought near by Jesus' blood. Brought near by Jesus' blood. Brought near by Jesus' blood, we worship. With angels round the throne, with angels round the throne, with angels round the throne, we worship. We offer up our lives, a living sacrifice. Pouring out our gifts of thanks and praise. This is your holy hill. You call us high still, joining with all heaven to acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are your glory holy 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 lord god of power and might heaven and earth are full of your glory
My special guest this morning was Reverend Tina Hodgett, and my thanks to her for sparing time to talk about the challenges, opportunities and joys offered by Pioneer Ministry. And now it's time to welcome someone else with strong links to the island. Ruth Rice is Manx-born and loves every chance that she gets to come back and spend time with her parents in Ramsey. She's also the founder of Renew Wellbeing, cafe-style spaces where everyone is welcomed, supported and gently encouraged to find their own pathway to mental health. Ruth has created, especially for this programme, a very personal A to Z of things that are good for her own mental and emotional well-being. And each week she shares another letter from her own alphabet of well-being in the hope that what's good for her might be good for us too. Today the letter is L and it stands for love as a choice, as Ruth now explains. There's a, a lovely verse in the in the Bible, uh, translated in the Message version, that talks about love being our multi-purpose garment that covers over all things. I really like that, don't you? It's love as a choice, not love as a feeling. I hear, you know, talk about people going, oh, I've fallen out of love, like it's something you trip and fall into and out of. But love is this choice. It's the sort of choice that God made when he made us, before he made us, that he would always love us. It's the choice that took him to the cross for us. Love as a choice. I'm really fortunate to have people who have chosen to love me and sometimes they've had to do that despite me when I'm not being very lovable. And I know not everybody has that, but it's a wonderful thing to have someone choose to love you. My my husband, I'll say, I'll say to him, why do you love me? And sometimes he will say, which doesn't seem terribly romantic, he'll say, because I've chosen to. And he used to go, no, pick a better reason than that. But actually, do you know what? That's a really good and solid thing because if someone has chosen love, they will keep choosing it. And my daily habits to spend time with God, to do some prayers, to to be still and know that he is God, that's my choice to live in his love, to stay in his love. Love as a choice. That's what I pick for L. Thank you, Ruth Rice. And there'll be more from Ruth's Alphabet of Wellbeing next week. And that's almost all we have time for today, so let's finish with a look at our notice board. It's Beach Mission time, with Beach Missions in Peel and Port St Mary. The Peel Beach Mission is back for another two weeks of fun and games based around interactive Bible stories. And yes, I'm reliably informed that the puppets will be back too. The Peel Beach Mission meets on the beach by the kiosk starting tomorrow with morning and afternoon sessions from Monday to Friday for the next two weeks. Morning sessions start at a quarter to eleven and afternoon sessions at half past two. Just come along to as many or as few of the sessions as you would like to. The Port St Mary's Scripture Union Beach Mission is back at full power, offering two weeks of daily activities every weekday for 0 to 17-year-olds in six different age groups. Everyone's welcome, activities are free and include games, crafts, competitions and Bible-based activities appropriate for each age group. The daily beach sessions start tomorrow and just take a look at the Facebook page Search for Port St Mary Beach Mission and you'll find all the information you need about session times and age groups right there. Thursday night summer concerts in Port Erin are in full swing now with the choir Women in Song under the direction of Karen Elliott providing the entertainment in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin 
this Thursday night at a quarter to eight. Admission is free, there'll be a retiring collection if you wish to donate and you're welcome to stay for refreshments in the hall after the concert. And Summer Arty Church starts again this Thursday evening in Trinity Church at Rosemount here in Douglas. It's free of charge and it's open to all school-age children. Come and get creative at Arty Church every Thursday night during the month of August, starting this Thursday, the 4th of August, at half past seven. Christchurch in Laxey invites you to a concert next Saturday night. It's given by Laxey Handbell Ringers. It's on Saturday the 6th of August and it starts at half past seven. There'll be a raffle and light refreshments afterwards. There's no admission charge, but donations for the work of the church will be much appreciated. And staying in Christchurch in Laxey, but looking ahead to next Sunday, there'll be a pet service there at half past ten next Sunday morning, with a warm welcome for all creatures, great and small, and their owners. Also next Sunday, August the 7th, there'll be a summer afternoon tea in Old Kirk Braddon. That's Sunday the 7th of August from half past two to four o'clock. It'll be similar to the very popular snowdrop teas, but this is a chance for visitors to explore the beautiful old church and historic churchyard in what we hope will be summery weather. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back in the studio tonight from nine with sundown. Easy listening music to round off your weekend. And I'd love you to join me if you can. Do please email me if you've got items for the notice board. My address is judithlay at manxradio.com. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning.